Hey, everybody. Welcome. Uh, so I truly hope everybody's okay and uh, feels okay uh, after the, the lockdown today at school. Um, I am right now this moment planning on still quizzing because it is just a quiz. If it was a test, I would probably definitely uh, postpone it. But since it's just a quiz, I think we will proceed uh, with it. All right. Uh, with that said, uh, you know, don't stress. It's just a quiz, it's just a quiz grade. Um, and uh, we'll be okay. All right. Uh, so I'm going to review a little bit some of the things um, that are going to be on the quiz. So let's get going. First up is the theories of democracy. So we talked about several theories of democracy. Uh, the majoritarian, remember, that's where the majority rules. And remember, this is one of the things that Madison was stressed about and freaked out about was that whole majority taking over uh, and whatnot. It's one of the arguments he used about the states not being able to do uh, what the large republic could do was the fact that the majority could take over. But it's basically just where the majority takes over and then 50.1% gets to tell the other 49.9% what's going on, what to do. We also had participatory democracy. Remember, this is not going to work on the large scale that we are. Uh, you need this to be a small scale thing. So you need uh, a small group of people that can actively participate and actually, you know, take part in discussions and decisions on day to day operations. Uh, we couldn't do this in this country. Just too many people. Uh, next up is pluralism. Remember, this is the groups. All right. So whatever group you want to associate with or say you associate with, um, remember, we fall into these. And even if you're like, well, I'm not a part of a group, you're probably a part of a group that doesn't associate with the groups. Then. OK, so we're all parts of groups and <clears throat> maybe not you or me, but people within our group are always going to be competing for the government's attention, trying to get the government to advance our agenda. And luckily, in this case, the groups kind of cancel each other out. So there's always going to be a, another group that is against us. And so not maybe not against us, but whose interests don't align with ours. All right. Uh, and then we had elite. OK, remember, this is where there's a small group of people that make decisions for us. So it's kind of the opposite uh, of, of pluralism. You know, if you think about elite versus pluralism, uh, elite is a small group. Pluralism is all the different groups that are that are doing things. And then we did talk about hyperpluralism. Uh, it's not something that shows up too often, but just remember that's pluralism gone wild where the government is trying to keep all the groups happy. Uh, and it's just almost impossible to do that. OK, uh, next up is the ideals of democracy. One of the first things we talked about, and we talked about a lot of this stuff when we talked about the philosophers. Now, I didn't put any of the philosophers uh, on the quiz specifically. You might see some John Locke stuff, I think. Uh, so I guess I did put a philosopher on there, uh, but I'm not going to put all of them on there. Uh, so the ideals of democracy, you've got uh, the natural rights, the social contract, popular sovereignty and limited government. OK, so basically what this means is these are things we look for in a great democracy. All right. Uh, so natural rights, that's a, a John Locke thing. Remember, he wrote about life, liberty and property. And then Thomas Jefferson switches that from property to the pursuit of happiness. But the bottom line is natural rights are a part of democracy where every single person that is in that democracy is in that is in that government, is in that society, whatever you want to call it. You have these rights. They're guaranteed to you. They're there. There's no one that can take them away. And if the government is going to take them away from you, all right, by putting you in jail or whatever it might be, whatever kind of punishment it is, they have to be sure that they treat you fairly uh, throughout the judicial process. From the time you're a suspect through your incarceration, you have your natural rights. So a very important concept that we have. 
the next one was the social contract. Remember, this is something that most of those philosophers had worked on. You know, Rousseau, Hobbes, and Locke all had a little bit in, at different periods of time to contribute to the social contract. But it, it's pretty simple. It's just we as citizens could govern ourselves, but we choose instead to allow the government to govern us. Okay, we turn over our right, we turn over our ability to govern uh, to the government. And the government, in turn, agrees to protect our natural rights. You know, don't forget about those. And, you know, to make rules and laws that are going to protect us and benefit us, provide us basic services, roads, schools, things like that. Popular sovereignty is just the idea that uh, basically the government, and, and, and the popular sovereignty ties back to the social contract as well. We give our consent to be governed. That's popular sovereignty. Popular sovereignty is government with the consent of the people, all right? So all the, all the rules, all the laws, all the policies that are made should, at the, at the end of the day, be stuff that benefit us and as citizens, whether it is providing something for us, whether it is protecting us or whatever it might be, those are things uh, that should benefit us and it should flow through the citizenry. And then finally is the limited government. Uh, now, sometimes people get confused. Well, so that's a small government. Limited government just means that there are limitations placed on the government. So think about the Bill of Rights and all those things that are in there that protects us. All right. No unlawful search and seizure, the freedom of speech, the freedom of press, uh, the freedom of religion. All of those things are things the government cannot take away from us. The government cannot come in and search you illegally. The government cannot give you or put you in jail without a trial. They cannot give you cruel and unusual punishment. All right. The government can't do those things. And that's what limited government is, a government with some limitations placed on it. Um, let's take a break there. All right, guys, welcome back. So the next thing is the feds versus the anti-federalists. And, and uh, like I said, when uh, we did this, I kind of rely a lot on the, your U.S. history knowledge. Okay. Uh, and just remember the basics here. You don't have to know people and, and places and things like that. Just remember the federalists, they were all for a strong centralized government. All right. So they were okay with taking power away from the states and giving it to this government that we were you know, proposing uh, at the Constitutional Convention. Anti-Federalists were against it. The Anti-Federalists were for the states continuing to have power, have authority. Uh, they did. Now, don't think that they were all about the states just doing what they want to and running wild. Uh, the Anti-Feds were okay and on board with the Articles of Confederation being tweaked and taking some authority away from the states and giving some power to the central government. But they didn't want to go overboard, and that was the fear, and that was the worry, uh, because, you know, that's one of the things they write about we're going to go through the, the Federalist Papers versus Brutus a little bit later. Uh, but that's one of the things they write about is the fact, hey, we're, we're fearful of what this new central government could become. All right. The next thing is the weaknesses of the article. So we spent uh, a, a day on this uh, and uh, it was just notes. And I, I did a podcast about this. So I sent that out uh, about the weaknesses. If you are, aren't sure, we wrote an FRQ about this. So hopefully you're, you're kind of familiar uh, with the weaknesses of the articles at this point. Um, so just remember, you know, uh, first off, I'm not I'm not going to go through the whole long the, the long podcast that I did yesterday with this. I'm going to go very quickly. If you want to reference that old podcast, it's you can find it pretty quickly and easily. But just remember, uh, the the government under the articles really had no power, no authority. OK, and that's why it's going to fail, because they had all these rules, all these stipulations that really set them up to fail. The states were allowed to basically do what they wanted to. And there was no repercussions from the federal government or from the national government. So taxes, the articles could ask. They could not make the states pay. Regulating trade and foreign trade, the national government could say, hey, please do this. But they couldn't make any state do anything. Uh, there's no military, no standing military. 
the government didn't have the power and the ability to do that. You, we talked about the legislative stuff. Uh, one vote per state, nine out of 13 to pass a law, 13 out of 13 states to get an amendment done. That's not going to work. No court system. Remember, there was no uniformity in the laws, no executive. There was nobody to look to. It was just this anonymous Congress uh, that somewhere in the country, you know, trying to make laws that weren't getting passed because, you know, not everybody would agree with each other. So you had uh, no currency either, no, no national currency, you know, led to some problems in inflation. Uh, were, like I said, I'm not going to go into all the details, but just understand the articles was weak and they tried to fix it in the Constitution. Okay, so remember some of the fixes we talked about. So no executive. Well, Article 2 fixes that by creating an executive. So you, you will need to kind of remember some of those things. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, and that's the next thing is the, the Constitution versus the U.S. I'm not going to go through all the fixes, uh, but they did make an attempt. So no, no currency. Well, Article 1 says that Congress can control that. No taxes. Well, Article 1 says Congress can tax. Uh, so on and so forth. So uh, just recognize some of the things, you know, one house legislature goes to two house legislatures. So let's fix it that way in the Constitution. All right, almost done here. Uh, the last few things are from uh, more recently. So you worked on this uh, in class. You had some primary sources that you read through. Uh, you had multiple co compromises. I'm just going to talk about the two main ones the, that, that are on the quiz. Uh, the Great and the Three Fists. So the Great Compromise, remember this, stemmed from the fact that Madison's plan, the Virginia plan, called for a two-house legislature. Okay? And in his plan, it was going to be about the size of the state. So the size of the state was going to dictate how much representation you got in both. Don't worry about the whole debate that they had about picking who's going to pick what as far as who's going to pick the House members, who's going to pick the senators and all that kind of stuff. Just understand, hey, the more people you had under Madison's plan, the more power you're going to have in the new government. So the small states are like, well, that's not fair. We need to have equality. And so they presented their New Jersey plan, which said, okay, well, two-house legislature, let's have equality though. Let's not have it based on population because that's not fair to us. Let's have it representation based on equality. And so uh, the Great Compromise was born from that debate over the Virginia plan and population and the New Jersey plan in equality. And it seems so easy to us today, but it wasn't that easy back then. But the Great Compromise does just say, okay, we're going to have two houses anyways. Let's make one, the House of Representatives, based on population, so the larger states can be happy and they can have the power that they want. And let's have one based on equality, where every state has the same. So that's a great compromise. Three-fifths compromise was about uh, representation and taxes. So population was going to count towards how many representatives you had in the House, and also how much she paid in taxes as a state. South said our slave population counts for the representation. It does not count for taxes. North said the opposite. The slave population should count for taxes, but it should not count for representation. And that's where the three-fifths compromise comes from, is they'll count three-fifths of the slave population. Finally, um, the Electoral College. Uh, remember, this is born from the debate over how do we pick our president? And so there was direct election versus the Electoral College. Electoral College was an idea from Madison. It was his thing because he didn't really trust us um, as citizens to pick the, the president. And he won out. Him and his group won out. Uh, and now we have uh, electors that are picked to vote for us. Okay. It's kind of a fail safe. Um, just in case we as citizens go pick some person that's not fit, Chris Daniels, uh, that guy can't serve. The electors could circumvent the, the, the voters and pick someone 
that is more valid. All right. Uh, and that really kind of leads us into that whole idea as well. States versus the individual. Okay. We were the United States. We weren't the United individuals. So, you know, the states, and this is a state thing versus an individual thing. All right, guys, if you have questions or concerns, please text me or email me and I'll try and respond as quickly as possible. Uh, take care and I'll see you in class. Bye-bye.